Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today we have a Bridget on, Bridget Delaney. <laughs> she is an author. She is a journalist, has written for The Guardian, and she has a book out titled Reasons Not to Worry, How to Be Stoic in Chaotic Times which is really something I really needed to read right now because it, it, I really need some calming. I really need a way to calm down and I'm letting a lot of outside things that I can't control really bother me. So this was a very timely book for us to be reading. What did you think, Colleen? You know, the world is chaos. I think everything is just, you know, upside down, sideways and we're always told that you can't control what happens outside. You can only control your reactions to it, not realizing that that actually is based on Stoicism, which is historically Greco-Roman philosophers. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. We don't go into too much depth of that. But the basic premise is you can only control how you react your character, your personality. And it's true. You can't control what's happening in the outside world. You can only control your reaction to it. So it was an interesting conversation, especially during these holiday times when you're going to visit family and you know some of them are insane. You're going yes, to... I do know that. <laughs> exactly. We all have them. We all have the crazy uncle or whomever. And you're going to want to respond. But the reality is you can't control the fact that they're going to say what they're going to say. You can only control your your reaction to that, whether it be to distance yourself from the room or start a conversation with someone else. You do have some control. And I think that really helps in these times because, you know, it's it's almost the end of 2023 and, you know. Yeah. Not only knows what's going to happen in 2024. I know, I know. We're in for a chaotic year, and this is such a timely book to read for those situations. Are you trying to aspire to ataraxia? <laughs> I, I am, and you're going to find out about that, too, in this yes, conversation. Which ataraxia is without disturbance. It's a state of calm. So some people may say it's a chill state. Some people may say it's a calm state, but Stoicism calls it a state of ataraxia. So that's what you're always shooting for. And good luck with that. I, you know, I know. please, if, if you have figured it out, email us at outflashescooltopics.gmail.com. You know. All yes. tips and advice are welcome. Yeah, we hope you guys are going to enjoy this episode. You can always take a look at it on the video, on our YouTube channel, Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Subscribe there. All of our episodes that we have been able to tape, not everyone wants to be on camera, but those that do, you can find on our YouTube and the episodes on any podcast platform, as well as our website, hotflasheskooltopics.com. Let's get started talking about stoicism with Bridget Delaney. We'll talk to you after. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today, we are talking to author Bridget Delaney, and she has written a book called Reasons Not to Worry, How to Be Stoic in Chaotic Times. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks, Bridget. How are you? I'm learning a lot from your book and really trying to put it into practice. So, yeah. I'm well for you. But it is. It is. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're going to talk all about the principles, but it does, you know, the big thing is my reaction to situations and to really take a step back and think about things. 
has been very useful. So thank you for that, for sharing that with everyone in your group. Let's kind of get started at the beginning. And can you explain what Stoicism is and how it started oh so thousands and thousands of years ago? Sure thing. So there was a lot of philosophy schools in Greece in, was around 350 AD, and they were all kind of competing. And um, a lot of them had quite sort of strong ideas around food or community or um, money. And you've kind of picked the school, if you're a man, um, you kind of picked the school that you most resonated with and you would go to lectures and you would learn about it and you'd talk philosophy and it was very interwoven in in how you lived, um, which we've kind of lost today. And one of those philosophies was uh, the philosophy of Stoicism. It was founded by a guy called Zeno. And they were called the Stoics because they met under the painted porch in Athens, which was called the Stoa. So that's how they got their name. And um, that school flourished in in Greece and then travelled over to Rome um, and was very popular, particularly with the Roman elite. And it kind of faded out when Christianity um, emerged but yeah, it, it did have a it did have a boom time, and a lot of the Roman writing has been um, preserved. Greek writing, not so much. So, my book focuses on on the writing from the Roman Stoics. Yeah, and you know, it's when people today think of being Stoic, they think they're Stoic. They're very reserved. They don't speak out a lot. But that's not necessarily what that meant initially. Can you share what really? Being, being a Stoic really kind of means? Yeah, sure thing. When I was first doing the book, I told my editor that I was interested in Stoicism and she said, oh, my father was very Stoic. He, he didn't cry when my mother died. And it's like, oh, no, that's, that's not what it means. I mean, there's, it means that in the kind of more modern sense. But the Stoics, um, as I said, they got their name from the, the porch, the painted porch, they um, they didn't have a stiff upper lip, but they didn't believe in suffering excessively. So they didn't think you should suffer if you could avoid it. And they had all sorts of tricks and um, tools for avoiding suffering, unnecessary suffering. And so they weren't anti-emotion, but they were about not having such an excess of emotion that you then have a crash, you then come down, or you then get caught up in an emotion sometimes for years. Um, an example might be um, you have a dispute with a friend and that can occupy your brain space for so many years. You're fighting in your head, you've got this grudge, um, where you actually have a lot of control over your reactions, which is what the Stoics believed. You can't control a lot in life, but you can definitely control how you react and um so it was about kind of alerting people to their potential to control reactions and therefore lessen suffering they have this test called the control test which is really the kind of cornerstone of of stoicism and they believe that you can only control kind of three things in life your um actions and reactions your own character and how you treat other people and everything else is out of your control. So once you kind of realize that, it's quite liberating. Um, so um, 
I might go to work today and, you know, I work in, I work in politics. I, you know, anything can happen. Um, so I might get given some work that needs to be done very quickly. It's quite overwhelming. I can't control the work, but I can control how well I do it, how I react to being given the job, you know, my, my mood. So yeah, we, we, can use it in so many different situations. You were saying there are three principles you can control, your character, your reactions, and how you treat others, which, you know, breaks down into the kindness that you show others. But there is so much in the world that we don't have control over, especially right now. And a lot of people, even just coming out of the pandemic, it just seems like a lot of people feel like the, the world and subsequently their lives are out of control. What would the Stoic say is a way to kind of feel more in control of your life? Um, so the Stoics, I definitely resonate with that. Like in the pandemic and coming out of it, there is a real feeling of a lack of control. It's been so much conflict in the world, so much pain, um, and just watching the news is a very, you know, kind of, you know, horrible experience. Um, so how do we, what can we control? The Stoics would say we, we never had much control anyway. So things can, things can get worse in the world. We can go into pandemics and have um, lockdowns. Um, people we love can get sick and die. That has always been the case. Um Stoicism was developed in tough times. It was developed during times of plagues, wars, high rates of infant mortality. Um, One of the main Roman Stoics was a guy called Epictetus who was a slave for a lot of his life, so he didn't have any any liberty. They would say, look, there's never been control, you know. Um, You can only control your mind and your character and your actions and reactions. The world out there will do what it does, which is is often not not necessarily to our liking. But the space that we have of control is our is how we move through that that world, how we treat other people, and how we we react. And we can choose to see that as not much control. Or we can we can see it as a a large amount of control because, um, you know, we have mental autonomy. So yeah, it's all framing. You also talk about these the five principles of living. Just to acknowledge that you can't control much. You've already said that one, and then see that your emotions are a product of how you think about the world. Mm. And that's a that's a real gosh. I guess I'm such a emotional person that's a tough one for me the toughest ones actually um and look it's also like in the book I do disagree with aspects of stoicism and and push back particularly as a woman you know the this was written by men um there's a lot of I think there's a lot of connections between emotion and hormones emotion and the unconscious emotion and how you were brought up emotion and your you know neuropsychology they didn't know any of this when they were writing their philosophy. They did get a lot of it right. Like it's interesting how humans, you know, we think we're so different now as modern people, but fundamentally character does stay the same over over time. Um, but look, they didn't get they didn't get everything right. And with emotions, 
I think that's it's stoicism is an ideal to reach, but I definitely don't beat myself up when I have a strong emotional reaction. I'll, I'll just explain a bit about why emotions are important to, I guess, control or observe um, in stoicism. And that is because they sought to, to maintain this thing that they called ataraxia. It's, uh, it's not the name of a, you know, antidepressant, <laughs> although I'm surprised <laughs> that it hasn't been marketed as such. Um, ataraxia is just the kind of Greek word for, for re- relaxed equilibrium, um, chill. And they believed that, the Stoics believed that if you maintained that state as a baseline state and really strive to kind of keep keep yourself on an even keel, so not go too high, not go too low, when when bad things happened or unexpected things happened, you wouldn't rock out of that state and, and overreact or suffer more than you should. So it's about keeping even so when you're knocked off course, you can get back on it quite quickly. And they believed that one thing we all have, or most of us have, is a rational mind. And that if we protect our rationality, we can make better decisions. We're less likely to have disputes with people that go out of control. Um, so there's, um, I've written a lot in the last few years about the rise of anger post-pandemic, but, you know, it's a big thing to, in, in America, in, in Australia, you know, all, all across the world where... Um, you know, there's been a lot of a long period of entitlement for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's also been anger, and the Stoics were very anti-anger. So they they said it was very important to maintain that tranquil state, not to tip into anger, because you you lose your rationality, you make poor decisions, and it's much harder to kind of come down off the ledge. So how does that relate to, um, I guess, how does that relate to, say, the geopolitical situation happening in the Middle East where you might get angry at one group or another or you might get anxious? Um, The Stoics would say you don't have control over that situation. You can't control whether or not there is a ceasefire. You can go to vigils. You can, if prayer is your thing, you can pray. You can um, donate, but ultimately those big things are out of your control. So there's no point getting worked up, getting angry, um, lashing out, because you'll just disturb your own tranquility and the tranquility of people around you. And so you'll actually create a, a warlike state or a tense, stressful state for others. And um, that's something you have, have control over. How does ataraxia relate to the preferred indifferent doctrine where we're supposed to be indifferent to things like wealth and health and reputation? Is Do they work together in Stoicism? Absolutely. Look, I'll give you a real-life example from last night um, or yesterday. So I've been working on a Netflix um, series, uh, Well Mania with Celeste Barber, and I just found out um, that it didn't get picked up for season two. So, you know, really terrible news for me, um, bad news financially, terrible for the show. I'm really upset about it. Um, 
But I also, because I've been practicing stoicism, I was, you know, I got the news and it, it, it hurt, but I didn't, I didn't kind of go into it. I didn't spiral into a, a fog about, you know, I didn't get to, I was sad for a little bit and then I bounced back quite quickly because money is, a, it there would have been quite a big payday for me. And money is a preferred indifferent, which means it's preferable to have it. I should be indifferent to it because I can't control whether Netflix greenlights the show. That's out of my hands. So if I'm holding on to money really tightly, the prospect of getting this money and I don't get it and then suddenly I'm devastated, I'm um, angry, I'm fearful, uh, I get anxiety about it. I'm then suffering twice. I've suffered once already. My show didn't get renewed. The second suffering I can actually control. Like I can control how I feel about money. Um, so when it comes, um, it's great. But also you can you can see that it goes as well. You know, it comes, it goes, and um, you have to be – you have to see it as not your own money. It is, you know, a thing that com- com- comes in and out. And so that is how ataraxia has really helped me, um, you know, because there's going to be ups and downs throughout life. So you can't get too, you can't get too down when there's a down. And we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. And we're back. Possessions as well. And I do like that you think these, you know, you can't take any of this stuff on with you when you die. You can't take any possessions with you. And how I like that part that they look at it as something on loan to them while they're here. Your whole life is on loan to you. Like you're right. on loan to yeah. the world. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, that's an important thing to remember for so many reasons, including enjoying life while we have it enjoying our health while we have it, um, you know, when money does come, enjoying that, not getting too attached. Um, so the Stoics weren't anti-money. They weren't anti-fun. They were just such realists. Like they just really looked life in the face. Um, there was no sugarcoating anything. Um, and, you know, also with health, like they were very much of the um, view that we should look at everyone as a mortal being every friend every child ourselves as people that um you know are born to die to quote Lana Del Rey um so you know and the whole point of having that death and temporariness front of mind was so that we could truly live fully um with the people that we're with and with the life that we've got you also talk in the book about, um, in a section called How to Be Good, about living in agreement with nature, that the Stoics talked about that we need to live in agreement with nature. What does that mean? Yeah, so I was reflecting on that in relation um, to the, the topic of your podcast, um, Hot Flashes, which is like, you know, around menopause, and that is nature, you know, that is Nature is the cycles the body goes through. Nature is the seasons that are outside us. Nature is human nature. You know, there's so many circles of nature. 
and um, we find aging like it's some sort of, um, you know, option. There's an option not to age. Well, uh, sorry, you know. The option's death, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not nature. Nature gives us a full spectrum of life experiences and stages from being a very dependent child to, if we live long enough, probably being a very dependent old person. And in between there are all these all these experiences and changes. And the Stoics were very um, very big on accepting change. They said that a lot of unnecessary suffering came from resistance to change. And they said, well, change is nature, you know. If you look outside, the environment, um, like I'm, in, I'm reporting this in Australia, um, we're in spring, uh, it's just popping at the moment, the, the colours, um, the vibrancy, um, and then the leaves will, you know, the leaves will change um, and then it will change again and it will change again as our bodies will, as our brains will, as our, the people around us will change. Um, and that is all nature. So, yeah, it's um, either go with it <laughs> or resist it. And, and um, that was never a, a good thing according to the Stoics. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, you know, they also talk about the death, death and how you deal with death because I know way back they lost many children. And can yeah. you share a little bit about the visualization of death that they would experience? Yeah, trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, um, look, it's a really confronting thing, but uh, Epictetus, one of the the uh, Roman Stoics, said that, you know, every time you say, you tuck your child in and say goodnight, you should visualize them dying in the night. Um, now, that is a pretty harrowing passage to read. Um but it's important for a couple of reasons. One is to remind yourself that everything's on loan, as the Stoics said, like anything can be taken away by nature at any point in time. Um, the second thing is if your child does wake up and is alive, you, you've got gratitude for that life and you, and you have gratitude every single day. Um, the third thing is um, by reminding yourself constantly that you're mortal um, you don't waste a, a day. You know, you really um, enjoy every experience, uh, even the bad ones, because, you know, you're alive. There's so many lessons in how they approach death, and they're, re- they're real uh, kind of the really main lesson is how to live. You know, it's um, Seneca, one of the great Roman Stoics, said, we're dying every day. So every day we are actually in the process of death, um, and that's the thing to remind ourselves of, you know, as we might go about our day grumpy, wanting to get it over with, rushing through things. Um, it could be the, it could be our last day, so try and try and enjoy it. In the second part of your book called Life and Its Absurdities, you talk about the Stoics and their belief in moderation of really all things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's a big point for a lot of people 
in anything you do, whether it's eating, exercise, living your life, moderation sometimes is the suggestion for a lot of it. So can you talk about the relationship between moderation and the Stoics? Yeah, sure. I mean, they, particularly the Romans, you know, they had a lot of excess. Um, and uh, Marcus Aurelius was the, you know, Roman emperor. He had, And Seneca was one of the wealthiest men in Europe. So they had a lot of means in which to indulge themselves. Um, and they they didn't always practice moderation. I think, you know, like all of us, it's we're human, we indulge. Um, but too much excess can damage rational thinking. So think about if you've had too many drinks, what sort of decisions you make, or when you're hungover, you know, how how you know your pros how you are with your emotions like you're all over the shop um think about addiction and what that does to ration rational thinking you know so all of the moderation wasn't because they had a problem with alcohol or anything you know it was more like well what does it lead to it does it leads to impairing your rational judgment which is a, a, a gift that separates humans from animals. Seneca had this funny thing where he's like, either say no to drinks, become a water drinker, or just have one. But then he said every now and again, get really loose, get really off your chops, because wine washes or excess wine washes away troubles. So think about if you've been dumped or lost your job or you're in a funk. Sometimes one big night out with your friends can actually, you know, be the the thing that um, turns the situation around or just gets you, moves you out of a a negative headspace. So they were quite, um, they were so canny on human nature and and how we interact with substances and, um, yeah, so I love that advice. Could you share how you kind of went into this, the story of how you came into this with your friend? Before you hit a crunchy point in life, of course, we never know when that's going to happen. It's really good to learn a philosophy or to have some sort of set of principles that can get you through grief, that can get you through pain. I was learning Stoicism, um, you know, I was in Sydney, Australia, having a really kind of great, great life living by the beach. And then the virus happened and I realized, oh, this thing I've been studying about control and about character, it's really going to come in handy now. And and it did. And I was studying it with a friend, Andrew, and he, um, he was a bit more advanced than me. He was actually probably more naturally stoic. And in lockdown, we took a lot of long walks around the beaches and we discussed stoicism and and how it would apply to our lives. So everything from being unsuccessful, I was unsuccessful in getting a pay rise at one point, very angry about that. So we talked about, well, can I control my boss giving me more money? Probably not. Um, to to things like um, government orders that forbade people from leaving their homes um, for more than one hour a day exercise, to not being allowed back into the workplace, to fear about the virus. So we would walk and talk and apply the stoicism almost like it was a medicine. 
and found it, it was so useful and it worked pretty much in every circumstance that we threw at it. And, um, and that's how the book came out was, you know, writing about these walks, writing about my own life, working out where stoicism kind of fitted and where it was a bit too masculine or um, a little bit too rigid. So, yeah, the book is my own journey in stoicism, but also like how you can apply it practically to, to everything in your own life. And then when the big things do happen, you have something um, to fall back on because there's a, a real lack of, um, I guess, people you know, growing up in a religious tradition, practicing religion, having that set of guardrails or principles um, to get them through all sorts of situations. So, yeah, and the book's been really popular with young people who really want some sort of guidance, particularly ancient guidance that has been tried and tested. Well, along those lines, I think, you do talk in the book about social media and how how to be on social media and how if you are someone, number one, I love that you say you don't have to have an opinion on everything. Yeah. Not everything has to be built on your opinion. And second, if if there is something that may hurt your feelings or a negative response, instead of going right to a judgment on the value of it, to kind of research, okay, is this person even educated on what I'm talking about? Should I feel sorry that they're not? Like, can you talk about how to kind of flip the switch so that someone doesn't take to heart when they're getting negative comments on social media? I had a I had a really um, widely read column in The Guardian uh, that attracted a lot of attention. Much of it was negative, you know, people saying that it was, it was a very lighthearted column, but people would say, oh, stupid this stupid woman she's you know she's ridiculous and um she's so annoying (laughs) and um I so firstly I tried not to see those things because I didn't want it to ruin my ataraxia my my equilibrium so I but I also decided that if I made that decision not to see those negative things I also had to screen out the positive things because you don't want to give yourself a false picture that <laughs> that everyone's just going around saying great things about you. So I made the decision very deliberately to not engage with either good or bad feedback um, unless it was in a professional sense from an editor and it was, you know, related to my actual work. So I adjusted my settings on social media so I didn't see a lot of stuff. And when I, when I did see stuff, sometimes people would screenshot terrible things that people had written about me and send them to me and I'd be like why are you doing this you know when I did see negative things which I you know occasionally did I just I just thought well you don't know me you've never met me um if you knew me very intimately and you had an opinion on my character it would hit a lot deeper than some you know Ray 47 um, <laughs> at, you know, um, so I just, it, it didn't actually disturb me that much. And I think people can lose vast amounts of time in these intractable social media wars where they get 
they get angry, they waste a lot of time, they, they go back and forth. It's never resolved. No one ever wins. And you're just getting more and more angry. So, um, you know, people are wising up to things like the algorithm rewarding negative emotion, rewarding anger. Um, and the Stoics would say you have the option of opting out. You know, they would have been on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. They're, ve- they're very social beings um, or they were very social beings. So they would have definitely had some engagement in the commons. However, that aspect um, of social media, of pylons, shaming people, even virtue signaling, you know, all that stuff, they just would have rolled their eyes and said, that's ridiculous. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bridget. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Bridget. Yes. I've, um, I've loved this chat and uh, it's, you know, stoicism is a bit like religion. You've got to, you've got to keep going back to the books. You've got to keep going back right. to the practice. So conversations like this actually make me more stoic. <laughs> so I'll go into my day a bit more chilled. We hope you guys took away some advice for this upcoming holiday season on how to achieve ataraxia or at least a little bit of calmness in your life. Remember, you can't control the craziness that surrounds you, but you can control your reaction to it. And when we feed in to the chaos, our body and our mind become chaos. So with that in mind, guys, have a great week. Make sure you are subscribed to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. If you enjoyed this episode, which we are sure you did, we would truly appreciate a rate and review positive to get those algorithms happy. And we will talk to you next week. Good luck with your shopping and your wrapping and have a wonderful week, guys. Bye.